I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Can you say copyright? Gotcha. <laughs> It is Wednesday, which means it's time for the front three. As always, with me, Adam Bolwood, the one and only Lawrence McKenna. It's almost here. And of course, Dave O'Brien. Na, 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 na. Great tune, but get great tune. We are just two days away from Euro 2016, guys. We're going to be previewing every single group right here. We're also going to be talking a little bit about silly season because it is well and truly upon us, I've got to say. Uh, first, though, comment of the week time guys there's been some great reviews coming in got one from australia here from a name i'm not going to pronounce because it looks like he's just bashed his keyboard one of my favorite podcasts always informative and insightful cheers thank you very much for that review uh, i've also oh. got oshbosh saying if you be my front free i will be your long lost hole I think he's resubmitted the, the uh, review. It's uh, come up from two days ago. So thank you very much, Oshbosh, for resubmitting. Uh, also, we've got hashtag team winning who says soon to blow up one of my top three favorite podcasts. Great job, lads. Thank you very much for your review. Remember, get your reviews in. If you look on the description of this very podcast, you'll see a little link. If you click that, it'll take you straight to the place where you can review this podcast. A little bit easier. My, my favorite one was this week. We, we obviously uploaded videos we work on this channel completely for free for no profit of our own apart from the long term obviously when we'll make gross amounts of money um the, um, the it just says below and Kristen's a guest on the video there's the three of us and Kristen, and someone just goes but there's four of them <laughs> <laughs> it makes no sense <laughs> what's going on i imagine him just clicking it and just going the fuck is this? I can't believe it. <laughs> I want to give comment of the week this week. I've got to give comment of the week, though, to Harsh Singout, who DM'd us, slid into the DMs on Twitter to tell us about a dream he had. Now, I'm not going to read out the whole dream because it is quite long-winded. I think it's actually funnier if I just take it completely out of context and read the last two sentences. Um, it says, Hearing this, Adam turns around, storms up to the principal, and punches him squarely on his jaw and says, Never mess with the lads as he walks out of the room. Make of that what you will, guys. You can make up the rest of uh, what preceded that in, uh, in Harsh's dream. But Harsh, comment of the week there, telling, you, uh, telling us about your dream. Fantastic stuff. Thank you so much for writing in. Guys, if you want to slide into our DMs, if you want to tweet us your questions, thoughts, suggestions, deep philosophical feelings, at the front three on Twitter with the number, not the word. Let's get into it, guys. Silly season is upon us. As I said, an actual transfer deal has been done, Dave. It's Eric... <clears throat> Bailey to Manchester United for around £25 million. 
Eric Bailey and Tony Marshall up front. Eric Bailey. How do you pronounce his name? I, I, I think it is. I was speaking to my French-speaking colleague, and he said, really? you pronounce it Bailey. And then I was actually on the radio this afternoon, about six o'clock, on Manchester XS oh, or something you know? like that. And they Bailey. also, the the um, presenter also said Bailey. So I think it's Bailey. Bailey. I think in French, you don't pronounce the Y. But I reckon the listeners, any French listeners out there, are we saying it right because remember when they nailed it with Cryhovac? Hopefully, oh, I've not yeah. fucked that one up. <laughs> so yeah, let's let's yeah let's, let's get it. But um, yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a good centre back. Okay, for his age, I'd say twenty-two years old. I've not watched the mo- you know, watched that much of him um, to be quite honest. But I started watching him this morning, and what I what I you know what I'd got from him from that sort of brief period was. He's, he's quite calm. I thought he was a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more of a you know an attacking centre back in a way that goes to attack the ball. But he's quite calm. Villarreal played a play a four four. Well, played a four four two last season. Um, quite a like zonal system. They the, you know the midfield four defends the back four. And what Bay just did was you know sit in the middle and he sort of comes alive when the ball goes wide or the ball comes into the penalty area. Then he'll make a clearance. He'll make an interception. His reading of the game is quite good. And um, one thing that I think he needs to work on a bit is sometimes he switches off. So his concentration needs to improve. In that game, it was at the Real Madrid Villarreal game. Um, he switched off once for a corner. Ronaldo pretty much should have scored if he got his head to the ball. Um, completely lost bait. And then there was another moment where he got in behind his, I think it was his left shoulder. Just again, got clean for on goal. But, you know, the uh, Lino flagged it incorrectly offside so I think with Bay he's got the raw attributes to be a really really top centre-back but obviously with Mourinho just needs to learn learns how to defend the concentration needs to be there for a full 90 minutes but he does you know he does look good it's interesting that Mourinho described him as a raw talent I think as you said that's, that's the impression most people have of Bay. Yeah. Um, so as you said that Mourinho himself said he's going to help nurture that and fulfill his potential which I think should be uh, should be exciting do you think that you know, we we talked about Dali Blind. Maybe he's got some question marks over his future. Uh, this move, do you reckon that sort of uh, exacerbates that situation? Yeah, I'd say so. I think don't think Dali Blind's ever going to play centre half for Mourinho. That'd be absolutely mental. I mean, Mourinho really changing his philosophy. Um, you know, Dali Blind did very well at centre back, but he's just not physical enough. He's not quick enough. He's not strong enough. Uh, but I think I, I hope United sign another centre back. So there's a real competition for those two starting places. You know, you still got Smalling. Smalling, obviously, is going to be probably the number one choice, and whether Bay and then someone else is fighting for that number one spot, the other spot. Sorry, it'd be, it'd be good for United. I think they've lacked quality at centre back since the days of Nemanja Vidić and Rio Ferdinand. That was a while ago. It was indeed. Um, staying on Manchester United, then uh, fresh off betting you last week, Dave, twenty quid that Zlatan Ibrahimovic is not going to score over twenty goals <gasps> this season. I want to make another bet, depending on which way you're going to go on this. Oh, the brilliant. Guardian this afternoon are reporting that Manchester United are going to pursue Paul Pogba after City's interest has faded. United are weighing up a formal offer for the Juventus midfielder who left in 2012. City have apparently dropped their interest uh, as Pep Guardiola rebuilds the team. I am 100 million percent sure that Paul Pogba it will not be a Manchester United. No, kind of a, kind of you're, agree. You're, you're on my page. Two two months ago, he said that he wanted to stay at Juventus for one more year. So this, if this that comes off, he just refuses to die. It's getting a little bit tiresome. It'd be incredible, you know, like you know the amount of, of, of the raving I've done about Paul Pogba this last year from watching quite a lot of Juventus. You know, it'd be absolutely perfect to take United into this next era. What you know, what he could do tactically, he could play in the two. We know one being one of the two pivots uh, sitting behind whoever's going to play attacking midfield, or in the bigger games could even go into attacking midfield and play that role. 
to perfection in a way. Um, he's a player that would really change United. And again, they should never have let him go. Whatever did happen with Fergie or whatever mistake or not. Maybe happened. he wouldn't have become this player. Maybe he would have. That's, maybe that's another very good point. Maybe he would have gone down a different path. Maybe he wouldn't have realised his potential. I mean, it was always said that he had incredible potential. And mm. uh, I think, you know, Ferguson obviously has some parting words about him. But then, yeah. Did you ever, did you ever see that uh, interview with Rhea Ferdinand? I think it was on Copper 90, who sort of said... Oh, yeah. I think it was Pogba and who else was it? Ravel um, Morrison. We're looking up to Ravel Morrison. Yamazai, yeah. wasn't he, or something? Yes, oh, yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. Looking up to yeah. Ravel Morrison as, as, you know, Rhea Ferdinand said he's never seen a player so good at that age. And uh, yeah, even Paul Pogba was looking up to Ravel Morrison. Um, it's a shame Ravel Morrison robbed his girlfriend at knife point or something like that. Yeah, you know, what a terrible go, dude. It's never going to go down too well. Um, pretty miserable. The other Manchester United rumour doing the, the rounds today, Dave, is Nemanja Matic to Old Trafford. <gasps> this one was in the sun we... actually earlier today, so you know it's true. Um, yeah, it's, it's got to be true, right? I spoke to your friend, colleague, Greg Stobart today, the chief reporter for Squawker.com, Dave. And he told Owner of me, the haulage company. He told me there's, a, there's a little bit of truth in this one. Ooh, and Matic, you know, if, Matic if does want to move. Matic he's is, in. Matic is open to leaving. I think it's obvious Mourinho is obviously a big admirer. But he was sort of saying the stumbling block, you know, obviously is that Manchester United, um, as much as they want it, Chelsea do not want to do business with them, and especially not Mourinho. Yeah, I think it would be a silly thing for Chelsea to sell him. But if you get the Nemanja Matic of the 2014-15 season... The one that um, won 101 tackles in the Premier League and just under 20 more than any other player. You've got a real talent there. He sort of played two roles in the midfield. You know, you had Cesc Fabregas in there that was the um, the passer, but Matic uh, sort of played... No, sorry, Fabregas is the creator. And Matic played both roles as the passer and the destroyer. It was basically two men in one. And that, that was a game against Manchester City where he just absolutely destroyed Yaya Torre. Mentally, physically, got in his face won big tackles against him, muscled him off the ball. It was just a, you know, it was a fine, fine display of that Chelsea team. I think that was sort of like, showed what that Chelsea team really was, that physicality, that strength, and that, you know, the uh, sort of the want to beat your opponent, outplay your opposite number. And, uh, yeah, if you can get that player to Manchester United, it'd be a great signing, but I doubt Chelsea are going to want to do business. You know, if he's going anywhere, he's leaving... He's leaving the Premier League, right? Yeah, yeah. You'd assume so. Although, Chelsea did sell uh, old Petr Cech to Arsenal, although that was kind of a, a favour, you know, for a long-time servant. Um, do, does this move, if it is true, though, Dave, make Arsenal. you worry about Bastian Schweinsteiger or Morgan Schneiderlin? Does that make you upset that the, the prospect of one of these sort of players leaving? Or No, I think Morgan Schneiderlin will fit under Mourinho 100%. I think he's a Mourinho-type player, works hard, wins the ball, distributes. He's, he's sort of like a Nemanja Matic in a way, Maybe not to the same level as 14-15 Matic, but similar similar type of player. But someone like Bastian Schweinsteiger obviously again has been injured, so there, there needs a bit of... Oof. I don't know, there needs some new blood in central midfield because yeah. I've not been impressed. The second half of the season, under Herrera, just didn't, didn't look bothered. He just what, wasn't bothered. He looked unfit. He looked so unfit. He couldn't you, make it past like 70 minutes. What do you think about Ander Herrera in terms of, you know, we spoke about how Juan Mata's at risk and uh, Mourinho's going to ship him off because, you know, assuming he is too lightweight, doesn't want to track back, doesn't, you know, have, have the qualities of a Mourinho player. With Herrera, you know, it, you feel like he could go either way. Um, do you think mm. his, his future's under threat? Or? I think his future's under threat. I think he's playing for his United future. I think that he's a player that could absolutely blossom under Mourinho. Um, because he's he could play that sort of Frank Lampard role in a way, uh, sort of coming from midfield and scoring goals, something that he did quite well in periods for Manchester United. But that's the again the issue with Under Herrera is is 
his form's never been consistent. Maybe that's because he's not been consistently playing. You know, a little bit unfair to the player. But like Yanazai, like uh, Bastian Schweinsteiger, like Morgan Schneidlin, in a way, this is their this is their last sort of chance for United. Really, you know, you got to look at it that they'll make it now. That's it. Mourinho ain't going to mess about with them. It's going to be in or out. But the you know the interesting thing with um, Herrera, you know, since joining the club, he'd scored more goals than any central midfielder had managed in like the past five seasons. So. He has the potential. He really does, and I really want him to succeed because I like him. I like it. when he's when he's playing well. Very good tackles, passes very well. You know, can finish. It's just frustrating. Again, it's another player that's been so frustrating under Louis Van Gaal. Mm. I feel like we've given Dave a lot of uh, Man United ammunition there, Lawrence. Uh, I want to even it up with a few little Liverpool uh, tidbits. <laughs> Not that you can only talk about Liverpool, but I want to even it up with your club. Um, <laughs> I said silly seasons upon us. It truly is because Edinson Cavani and Gonzalo Higuain have been linked with moves to Anfield in the last week, Lawrence. Um, I think it's fair to say neither of those are going to happen. But if they were, which one would you prefer? Who would you like to see line up? Especially with the question marks over Benteke's future. He's come out and said you know, today he's going to consider his future after the Euros. Do I have to pick one or the other? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that works. Honestly, honestly, I'd rather go for Higuain over Cavani. Yeah. I- you know, I, I, for me, I just think he's he's more of what Liverpool need. Um, Liverpool lacked finishing, and they lacked a lot of other things uh, from any sort of fit striker last season. But if I had to pick one, it would have to be Higuain. I just I wouldn't like really like to pick either. Um, uh, you know, basically, you want someone to to replace that Benteke role, someone who can do something a little bit handier than Benteke. I was really impressed with Divock Origi at the, the end of last season. You know, the roles that he played in the Europa League really impressed me. Um, and the way that he played him, the, the hunger and the passion with which he played him was fantastic. Um, I think Klopp wants someone who's more consistent, to yeah. put it that way. The other, and maybe Benteke can be that, the um, other, but maybe not. The other interesting, uh, or maybe not so interesting, uh, Liverpool news is that PSG are in for Philippe Coutinho. Um, apparently they've uh, they've had an offer rejected. Lawrence Coutinho, you know, sort of been speaking on international duty about how he wants to win titles, and he's sort of been talking up, you know, hints that he potentially might want to move away. Uh, the thing is, I, I don't know. I don't quite. I don't quite know um, whether that's a ter- whether that is an interview term associated with Brazil or Inter because he never really. I mean, what he won at Inter, I don't think he was all that active for. Yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, I, I think there were a number of clubs who apparently were questioning how talented he was and whether he's worth the money. You know, obviously I'm not questioning um, loyalty or anything like that in the modern game, but um, how much, I, yeah. I think those have been, those those quotes are being attributed to make a story. You know, Danny Alves has obviously said, oh, I'd, I'd say Coutinho should leave because, um, you know, if he wants to go and win things. I, I just don't know if PSG would be that sort of place. That's the thing, isn't it? You feel almost disappointed if he did leave to PSG. But, I mean, how, how upset would you be if he did leave Liverpool? Because, obviously, he's a massively talented player. Um, you know, so skillful, And, you know, we've seen the sort of goals he can score. However, he doesn't seem to not, be he's yeah, not consistently not that, he's decisive, not, almost. He's not a consistently... He's a, he has had some some fantastic strikes. He's amazing to watch for that reason. Yeah. I'd love him to stay. But he le- if he left, I also think there will be caveats with which he'd leave. So right. you know, you sort of think, yeah, do do I really do I really worry about a guy who maybe faded in and out of games, who maybe when we needed him at the end of last season, um, to, you know, to come through in games like the severe game, completely drifted out. Um, you'd always have thought about what could potentially have happened. 
with mm. Coutinho. Um, and he, but he is so good to watch. And then there's something lovely about, uh, you know, him and Firmino up front uh, that is brilliant. And also, he's sort of spoken about how happy he is on the clock. And you, I guess w- uh, more than you know, sort of destroying what uh, your idea is about the player, it's more that you would hope that the system and the idea of playing at Liverpool under Klopp, uh, you know, being happy with the manager would sort of trump that. I spoke there about being disappointed if he did go to PSG because I'm not saying it's a step down, but it just feels, you know, to, to go to PSG where the league isn't as competitive um, would would be a shame, I feel like. And it, honestly, feels a, it feels a bit like a cheat code, doesn't it? You, yeah, you feel weirdly. like, you know, would you, you'd rather, you'd rather at least if he's going to go anywhere, he sort of goes to Barcelona or Real yeah, Madrid almost. Uh, on a um, similar note, the, the reports are like Unai Emery, um, not getting the Everton job, obviously going to Ronald Koeman. He apparently is off to PSG. Laurent Blanc set to be sacked, um, which is not a surprise. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, Dave, Unai Emery, I quite want to see him in the Premier League. For him to go to PSG, I mean, does that excite you? Do you think he'll do a good job there? Uh, it's one of those ones where you're like, oh, no, yeah. another favourite manager is going to the evil PSG. Mm. Um, I, I prefer him with a smaller budget and sort of building around one player. Again, that could be the issue at PSG there. They've sort of got too many superstars now in a way to, to build around wrong player. Maybe with Zlatan going, it opens up to one of them to be the focal point. You know, maybe an Edison Cavani. You know, Cavani under Emery would be so, so good. He's, he's obviously really, really good with strikers. Carlos Baca, um, Kevin Guerrero this year. So it could work out quite nicely for them. But again, it's the evil PSG dominating the world that nobody wants to see. Maybe Emery could end up pitching up Southampton. That would be uh, that would be, be interesting. Sweet. Yeah, seen as Cumin, it looks like Cumin's off. Nothing's been uh, officially confirmed. Everton have apparently agreed a deal with Southampton um, to, to sort of pay the compensation. So it's not 100% done yet, but it looks like it's on its way. Um, other managers, That really would be quite a deal. That'd be a really nice deal, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, we did, we did speak about it on Sunday. I mean, some people will see it as a, a step sideways, but I think we, you know, we, we, we set out the case that <clears throat> it could be seen as a step up, especially with the, the investment in Everton. Um, Another I just think it's a shame that someone, no one's looking at Martin O'Neill. I mean, yeah. he is the <laughs> ultimate headline in many ways. Um, yeah, he, he definitely makes headlines. If, 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 he does make if headlines. One minute he isn't, if one minute he isn't saying uh, something sexist uh, <sighs> and then saying, I'm sorry, I didn't realise it was that. The next minute he's saying, um, he's calling players a bunch of queers. It's a, it's an interest. It, it, definitely go and check out. I recommend go and check out the second captains podcast this week. They talk about that in detail. Obviously, an Irish podcast. Um, Mike O'Neill sort of put his foot in it uh, last week by suggesting um, that him and Roy Keane. Uh, I think they took a scouting trip. Well, they went to uh, an American football game or something like that. And you know, someone asked him if it was just him and Roy Keane. He was like, No, no, there are other guys there. You know, I wouldn't want it to to give you an impression that me and Roy are queers. And it was kind of like, mm, you know. Can't really say that. Why would you not? Why would you not? Why would you not want to give that? Uh, it's just impression. And they were sort of saying on the podcast, guys, definitely go and listen to it. I'll leave a, a link in the description. But you know, he's obviously <laughs> he's obviously an older man of a different generation. Uh, has put his foot in it before and probably will again. But it was interesting. They were sort of talking about how it wasn't made a massive deal out of in Ireland. And it may have been a, a much bigger deal if, say, Roy Hodgson had said that over here. I can't <laughs> imagine. I'm not sure Roy Hodgson would lose his job, but I think you know there'd, there'd definitely be calls for for uh, for his. Well, head, I think I think people people would mix up with the headlines. I mean, first of all, any homophobic comment is probably too much. 
Yeah. But people also mix that with the headline of a few years ago that there is definitely one gay England player in the England squad. And you do sort of think, you know, it's not so much that it offends me, it's that if there is someone who's gay in the England squad and there is that sort of a climate, why would you why would you want to come out when someone so clearly makes comments like that? Yeah, very strange. Um, you know, that, it's, it's a strange one. Um, there, are, there are other transfers. What about um, Nyangalan? says uh, Conte is trying to persuade him to go to Chelsea. Of course. Why not? I think he'd, he'd fit in very well though, wouldn't he, Dave? Yeah, I think he would. Box to box. Um, yeah, decent shot on him. I think he'd yeah, fit into the Chelsea midfield that lacks maybe a little bit of dynamism in there with Matic not in form and, you know, Cesc Fabregas being Cesc Fabregas very inconsistent last season. So maybe, you know, shoehorn him in. John O'Mikel holding. Maybe perfect little midfield. The biggest transfer news <laughs> I want to end on, the one that's sort of blown up in the last uh, day or so, is of course that Manchester City are trying to sign Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, uh, obviously the Bundesliga player of the season last year, uh, scored 36 goals in the league last season. London being linked with a move to Real Madrid because of a, an apparent promise he made a, a dying relative, essentially. But it looks like Manchester City may be the club to put into the post. £60 million is said to be the asking price. I mean, do you think he's worth that money, Lawrence? Do you think that is the sort of money they should be investing? They need that sort of player at the club now. I definitely think he's worth that kind of money. Um, only purely because City one of those sides that can spend that kind of money. Um, he's a fantastic striker. I think he'd do great things for City. I'd love to see him alongside those other guys. And I think more recently he's shown uh, that there's more to his game than just what maybe people assumed he had just a few years ago. So, you know, maybe to take it a step further, he'd have to go to a super team like this. But again, it would be a shame to see him leave someone like um, Borussia Dortmund so easily. Yeah, that's, it feels like almost the spine has been ripped out of him. And it's sort of Mortal Kombat fatality move. Hummel's gone, Whoa. Gundogan gone. You know, Aubameyang go, gone. I know they're Russia trying to. I know they're trying to. Uh, they're, they're trying to rebuild. Yeah, have them. you we seen spoke. who they've brought in? Talk to me, Dave, because I was about to come on to that. There's Talk to me about these players. Unbelievable transfers there, right? They've just pretty much bought all the best young players in Europe for fun. Yeah, it is weird, isn't it? Why they all go there? I don't know why other people aren't on that. Yeah, well, you know, uh, players like you know Osman Dembele. We spoke about <laughs> him before. What a talent he is! Like. No, probably the best, you know, one of the best eight, you know, 18 year old. No, the best 18 year old in world football right now. Yeah. Maybe he's 19 now or gone up, but he was 18 when they signed him. Absolutely insane. What, Mark what, you Bartra, know, who we mentioned last week, Sebastian, yeah, Broder, Emre Moore, who's the, the very talented young um, Turkish player, also I hear, and of course, Julian Weigel's there as well. So, and is, is this process of Dortmund as I mean, we spoke about on Chris on the show, it's uh, they, they have a, a weird knack of being able to rebuild and find these gems that enable them to, to continue and sort of compete at the top. And, you know, you add, add Pasolak in there, you add Pulisic in there. Like, you've got, like... They, I think what they need to do is, like, create a generation together and they need that generation to go through the club together to try and get them to stay there together. Do you know what I mean? Like, youth players going through at the same time. Yeah. Although I do sort of think they become even better rough diamonds when they go to a club like this. I think the institution brings that out of them. In terms of Aubameyang City, though, Dave, 
you'd expect that that means Wilfrid Bonny uh, is going to leave. That move never really quite worked out. Um, quite a lot of money for that player um, for little return, you have to say. But in terms of Aubameyang, of course, bags of pace. I've played with the team of the season version on FIFA. He's 96. It's ridiculous. But having him there, he just takes that pressure off Sergio Aguero because whenever he comes down with an injury, whatever it may be in the season, it feels like Manchester City's season just stalls. Yeah, you'd say so. But like the, the interesting thing is, if they do sign him, where the hell does he play? Because you you know at Dortmund they pretty much play with one striker, right? They play a four three three. They have uh, you know uh, Tuchel has played with a four four two with um, Ramos and Aubameyang out like you know maybe five times this season in all competitions. Um, but like the partnership with Aguero and Aubameyang, that could be quite interesting. You know, Aubameyang mm. stretching the opposition, running behind Aguero operating in that little pocket of space. Maybe this is where Aguero needs to play to to sort of stay fit in a way, not having to consistently sprint in behind, but playing in the hole and being explosive from there. Because we all know what he can do in and around the penalty area in terms of his shots. You know, he's, he's got a good eye for a pass um, and he has the skills to pay the bills. So I think with, with Aubameyang and, and um, Aguero up front, it could work out quite nicely. But then we all know that Pep doesn't like pay, playing two strikers, really. So there's a lot of questions. Will Aubameyang be pushed out wide again? Because he wasn't... Great playing out wide for Dortmund. He struggled a little bit, to be honest. Um, Aguero ain't going to go out there. So if they sign two, it's like you've got two of the same chess piece in a way where you need something else. You need your queen. So I don't know. So many, it's, it's, so I do, many I do think those two are different enough. But yeah, yeah, there are a lot of metaphors. I do think there are um, enough different qualities to both players, though. Could you I play imagine both? Pep will be the manager that can see that. Could you play both up top together, though, Dave? I mean, I yeah, I, th- I think it could, but then like Pep would want control of midfield, so that means yes. they're playing a three-five-two maybe, which could work. You know, oh. could that, you know, some period, periods in the season, uh, Muller and Lewandowski did play centrally together, so it's not impossible. But it would be a re- you know Premier League three-five-two. Or would you be playing a three-three-four, Dave? Exactly, or even the three-three-four, which is uh, you know Conte's dream formation yeah, for Chelsea, Chelsea. Lawrence. What it is then? a pretty good for it does seem like the right formation. Like three three four sounds like such an exciting formation, doesn't it? Pretty, pretty cool. Is it Yeah o- Is it Obamiang? Or is it No front three though? Obamiang. Because I've heard Obamiang. Both. Of course, Adam asked Obamiang. him to language language profession. <laughs> yeah. Especially <laughs> um, but talking of pronouncing player names. Yeah, I want to talk about Leo Lago. Uh, was it you, Lawrence, who sent this through? Was it you, Dave? I think it was. I think it was Dave. Yeah, yeah. Dave. I, I love little, articles like this. They're well good. Article going around. It's on the UEFA website again. I'll link this in the description of the podcast, teaching you guys how to pronounce uh, the Euro player names correctly. Introduce yourself to a new language is how the website describes it. There's some interesting ones in there. Ones that um, got to say, taking me a little bit by surprise. Really, Michi. Bat Shuai, in case you ever, you know, didn't know to pronounce that one. Obviously, the Belgian Bat striker. Shuai. It's not, I keep saying Alderweireld. Alderweireld, obviously, the, the Spurs Belgian centre back. Apparently, it's Alderweireld. Weireld. Alderweireld. Alderweireld. Fuck. I didn't know. Alderweireld, guys. Mm. Um, what else is there? There's, and then, go on, there's, go on. I mean, there's the, there's, there's the Albanian team. Who have got uh, such names as Usai? Yeah, there's one. He's the uh, one to watch right back. Uh, uh, where where is it? Uh, Lorik Sana. I like I like the I always like words which have got T and S next to them because it lets you do that sort of. Tss. 
noise. That's quite nice. <laughs> Lorik is Can. He is Can. It's not Chan. It's not anything else. It's Can, by the way. Emre Can. Emre Can. That just Emre sounds ridiculous, can. though, doesn't it? I don't think that just it, sounds throw me for a loop. This thing. I, I wanted. To, I just wanted to hear Dave say them because Dave's never said a player's name <laughs> right in his life. Whoa, Bernadeski. <laughs> well, that's, that's see. But you know, he's just ordered a pizza in three different languages. <laughs> What's the name of the, the, the Polish goalkeeper who used to play for Arsenal, plays for Swansea? Um, Fabianski. Yeah. What's, yeah. His, what's his first name? Wukash. Wukash. What the hell? Wukash. Yeah. Wukash. You know that's well good. Wukash. Wukash. Fabianski. It's me, Wukash. 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 Um, um, when you, uh, uh, Pol- Polish is quite a pretty it's actually quite a nice language to listen to I think when we were we so we spent 2012 there and the people are very friendly and they really love teaching the language so Wukash actually sounds quite nice <laughs> Wukash although also, I imagine they just go yeah yeah of course it's Wukash Fabianski <gasps> and then it sounds normal whereas English people go oh Wukash Wukash and we'll Walk around saying it ridiculously for the next half hour. Also, I realised I realize recently I've been saying this wrong, but I thought it was Hakan Chananoglu, but it's I just saw that Chal- Chalhan Ochlu. Och. Chalhan Ochlu. Chalhan Ochlu. There you go. See? Chalhan Ochlu. I still like the, the best name. I mean, the classic Dortmund player is a Blaschikowski. <sighs> just a great name. I also love how Republic of Ireland have just got two. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you, yeah they, they have shown you how to pronounce Eric Dyer as well. Uh, Kieran. Kieran. Kieran is Kieran. 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 Hey, Kieran. Hey, Kieran. You're queer. Kieran. 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 I'll leave the uh, I'll leave the link in the description just so you know how to pronounce every single uh, Euro's name. And on that note, guys, let's move in to previewing Euro 2016. Right, let's get in to our Euro 2016 preview. There's only one place to start, and that is Group A, of course. Oh. Albania, <laughs> France. No Romania, one starts with F. That's what pisses me off. F, F never gets any fucking hey, attention. We can go That's backwards why it's called Group F. Do you want to go backwards? Yeah, why not? Okay, we'll start with Group F. There's only one place to start. Austria, Hungary, Iceland, and Portugal, guys. Let's talk a little bit about Portugal first. Um, obviously, well, I suppose just ahead of Austria, the favourites to, to maybe top their group. Perceived as a bit of a one-man team, Lawrence. But they've got other players in there. Charisma. You know, Sanchez, they've got other talented players in that squad. Yeah, other massively talented players in that team. Um, but I, I do think that overall they don't seem to be able to find a system to bring all these individual talents together. I think that's part of the problem with Portugal is that they have a lot of very good, um, technically gifted players. I mean, you know, Charisma was one of the great waves of the next generation that people were so excited about. And now people would argue that he's beyond that, rightly so. Um, but it doesn't take away from his technical ability. Mm. I think for that reason, it's a little bit like watching a basketball team at a tournament because, you know, if, if one player doesn't do it, they'll pass it off to someone else. But it, it still doesn't mean that, that that's always going to work for them. For me, they, like I say, they still haven't found a system where they're able to go entirely through a tournament uh, without sort of uh, fucking something up or having something <laughs> go wrong. 
Um, you know, I, I know, you know, they've, they've had some impressive Euro showings. You know, I remember just a few years ago when they lost out to Greece, the young Ronaldo, I think it was. Um, and, you know, Lisbon and is, is a great capital, Adam. I was recently there on holiday. Beautiful. But it does place. still seem, what, what I was going to say was, it does seem a little bit like it, they aren't as hyped anymore about this Portuguese generation as maybe yeah. they should be. They, they um, and it does seem a little bit like the, the horse is bolted almost mm. for some of these guys. It, in many ways, it's Ronaldo's last chance to win the Euros. Yes. And, and when I say in many ways, I mean the only yeah, way, way. The time is running out. They did, uh, they did win 7 nil tonight at Friendly. It was against Estonia. So we can't give him uh, too much credit as it were. Charisma. Yeah, but then Spain starring. lost to Georgia, so. Yeah. Um, what about Austria then, Dave? Obviously, David Alaba, the main man. They've got Spurs' own Kevin Vimmer in there. Um, Sebastian Prodl. Arnautovic, you know. So. Prodl. I think they're, they're a very good side. Obviously, everyone's dark horses. No longer the dark horses. So I think teams will set up defensively against them. Austria like to press, like to dominate possession. Someone like uh, Janukovic could be one of the players of the tournament. You know, you've got 10 assists in the Bundesliga this season, very good from set pieces. Uh, could link that midfield and attack together. Plezak and Altovic as well, you just don't know who's going to turn up. I imagine he's going to be in the shop window wanting to leave this summer. Um, from Stoke, obviously, rejecting the contract. So there's a lot of players in there that sort of need to show themselves in a way, like um, Janko, the big striker. Was he at Wolves or someone like that? Maybe I'm thinking of somebody. I think I'm another Austrian striker. But yeah, no, he's. I think he's another player that could, uh, you know, explode onto the scene. Obviously, quite old, but coming into the prime of his career as a target man. So Austrians, Austria is going to be a really interesting side to watch. I think Hungary, yeah. I feel like could well finish bottom. Um, set pieces, obviously, their their specialty. Over half of their goals in qualifying came from set pieces. But you feel like it'd be difficult to them finish uh, above Iceland, maybe. Lawrence, really? Obviously. I mean, you do. I, I, I guess that's what's interesting is Iceland um, obviously had such an incredible uh, qualifying uh, story, you know, mm. and obviously coming out of and off the back of what the wonderful stories that Chris Hennish tells about, you know, from the uh, financial desolation that the country was feeling, this team was sort of crafted because of the necessity of making players go to other countries and not being able to keep them. And therefore the sort of finances crafting these diamonds out of, out of the rough, if you like. And, you know, that, that still, I think, very much sits with them. Uh, however, I, I still think there are some wonderful, wonderfully gifted players in um, in the Hungary side. Um, you know, they've, they've got some of the mainstays, uh, the, the, guy, the guys at the back. Uh, I think it's Kadar. I think it's Kadar is how I'm going to say it, uh, who plays for Lech Poznan. And then, obviously, um, alongside him, you've got, I think it's Guzmix but I don't know if I'm right in saying that. And then up front, there's some just wonderfully talented players. I definitely can't say this guy's name. Um, Where's the pronunciation guide, Lawrence? Where's your guide? I'm actually, I'm literally just <laughs> matching him up <laughs> to looking that looking at right it now. right now. Let me just find it. Uh, <laughs> it's set, oh, wait, no, it's Zhuzhak. So Zhuzhak, and then obviously uh, Liverpool fans will remember the guy who was... Uh, always labelled as the next big thing at Liverpool and Rafa Benitez's wonder kid, Christian Nemet, who left Liverpool sort of in a, a blaze of disappointing glory and now is off in the Middle East. So uh, something disappointing there because he was a, a massive talent. Uh, but I think you're right. I think it'll probably go, for me, this, this group's going to go yes. Portugal, Austria, Iceland. Yes. Hungary. Yeah, Dave, you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. That's it. Down. I don't, I don't yeah, think definitely. 
Sorted, it, 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 it um, is. It is very. It is because you know what? It's it, it, a lot of those results are about whether Portugal turn up. Yes. Um, I and, think you know will. if Portugal don't turn up, or if Portugal are surprised by one of these teams, uh, then you know the, the group structure can completely change. And that's the problem with having someone who's sort of so on and off as Portugal. On, uh, you know, Austria. Austria very much have the potential to finish top here. On a related, but yet entirely unrelated note. I love you Austria. Know, did you know every Icelandic surname ends with son? Hmm. Son. Because every, everyone, Adam. Icelanders because have they don't continued to use their traditional name system, which was formerly used by all Nordic nations. The Icelandic system is thus not based on family names, although some do have family names. Generally, a person's last name indicates the first name of his or her, her father, followed by mm. son. That that is inc- that is complete. That's the same as uh, Mac in Scotland, and the same as really? O in Ireland, like O'Brien, son of Brian. That is you know, this isn't um, just a football podcast. This is a podcast of knowledge. Um, I, and did you know, lot. guys, and th- this is probably one of the best facts Here we go. Come on, come on. Is that Martin O'Neill's middle name is Michael, and Michael O'Neill's middle name is Martin. No, oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Mind it's, and, it, and it's things blow. like that which show that those two are long-lost homophobic twins. Speaking <laughs> of Martin O'Neill, we come on to Group E, guys. It's the group I Legally, I don't think I can say that, by the way. <laughs> I'm not saying that's actually true. I don't, I don't want to copyright threaten against me. Right? Allegedly. <laughs> Just put an allegedly in the Lawrence year covered. Belgium, Italy, the Republic of Ireland, and Sweden in this group. Of course, Belgium, not just favourites to top the group, Lawrence. But of course, second, third favourites to win the entire bloody thing. Uh, maybe I mean the second in the world. You know that must mean yeah. But the, those rankings really yeah that means you know, so. <laughs> that means a lot. Oh man, shit, bro! But they've got. Um, but they, I, uh, go let's go down the route with Belgium. That they have an incredibly talented squad. They've Insanely got uh, Spurs in the back line, um, Chelsea in the midfield, and up front they've they've got such a plethora of talent and so many different as I keep putting it, sights on their gun. Um, the, it, it, is, it, it does strike me that you know this team could do incredibly well at the tournament. However, I think there are uh, some real issues with the team in that, you know, if, in playing a side like Italy, how they're going to uh, play against them, someone incredibly defensive, um, and maybe someone who's a little bit more tactically uh, savvy. Um, the goalkeepers, maybe they have a slight issue over those guys. Um, and and I think overall, people are billing them as the, the full package, but I don't quite know quite how there. well this package wraps up. The, um, the, I mean, you know, you've got Thibaut Courtois, who's obviously the starting goalkeeper, and then Sam Minier backing him up. You never want Minier um, as a backup. You, you, you do feel no, like, but, um, but, but at the same time, Courtois is fantastic. So. Yes. You do feel like Courtois, going, forward, <laughs> going forward, they're very strong. Dave, uh, De Bruyne, Hazard, Carrasco, who I didn't even know was Belgian. Um, Romelu Lukaku, Christian Benteke out front, but... He, at the back somewhat, depending on how they're set up and who plays in what position, that is where their weakness is. Yeah, I think their weakness is also up front, not because of the peripheral talent, it's because you've got to make one of those men your main man. And you have to build a system around them. Yeah, well then, what's Hazard doing? What's De Bruyne doing? They're doing the running. I don't think so. I think that's the issue with Belgium, is they're going to be very disjoint. And again, the full-backs has not been addressed. Um, John Jordan Lukaku's come in um, in some of the friendlies, but it doesn't look like he's, uh, you know, going to going to start. Whereas I feel he really should because he's the only natural fullback they sort of have in their squad. There's any sure, good, but, but Dave, surely the movement, the movement up front. I think that it, surely Belgium's idea will be to stretch the other team a little bit, and that's why they've got certain members in in the squad. I mean, 
you know, uh, Origi and Lukaku are both great outs for their team this season. Can we maybe look at that as one of their approaches? But that's, I think that'll be the issue. They're, they're like a mismatch of loads of different styles in a way. Like they've got some fantastic counter-attacking players. Um, De Bruyne and you'd probably say Lukaku would be pretty decent in that situation. But and then the responsibilities make... put on them, what then? Yeah, like yeah, exactly. Like for example, in midfield, Witzel and Fellaini. That ain't going to break anyone down. You know, that ain't going to pass <laughs> anyone to death. You know what I mean? Like they've only got the same one time, style, Dave, but then it but, feels but, that. But, yeah, but at the same time, Dave, it's also not going to let anyone through. But then that's why I think it will, because it'll be so disjoint. Is Hazard ain't going to trap back? Carrasco ain't going to trap back. De Bruyne ain't going to trap back. And Lukaku ain't trap back. That means that's a broken team. What about Italy? Because obviously, traditionally, great defence. Buffon's there. They've got Bozzaglia, Chiellini, Bonucci. But then when you Bonucci. look further forward, it doesn't Bernardeschi. look as strong. It doesn't <laughs> look as strong, Dave, especially up front, as it has in, in, in recent years. There doesn't seem to be as many options. No, definitely. You don't have a Luca Toni or a Totti. Um, you've got a Pella and a Edda, which is a pretty rubbish yeah. downgrade from what they had. And obviously in midfield, they're missing Verratti and Marquisio, two big, big players there. So it's going to be an interesting Italy midfield. I sort of think they're going to go with a 3-5-2 Buffon and goal. Barzak, Benucci, Chiellini, that's, uh, you know, that back four is definitely going to be there. Then I think the Rossi will sit in front of them. Then midfield, I think Candreva on the right, Ferenzi, Giacarini yeah. and Damian. And then Pella and I'd hope Insignia up top. But again, that's such a poor Italy team from what we've seen in the past. Zaza, what about, I mean, there's Zaza and Chiromobili as well. Yeah, I, I quite mean, like Zaza. Um, yeah. But I don't think, I just don't think he likes them. I don't think, he, I, th- I feel that he's been rotating his strikers for the past, you know, two years or three, well, however long he's been in charge. He's just not found a combination that works. Yeah. So I, I just feel Italy are going to have a lot of, tactical conundrums that they're going to have to solve in the tournament. But I did, uh, yeah, got a very I, I did. Defense. I did almost feel like um, Mario Balotelli gave a lot of coaches an easy out almost because, yeah. you know, it, his mercurial talent meant that people would sort of go, well, he's got to be in the team. And then at the same time, if he let them down, then they sort of go, well, that's the nature of, that's the nature Mario. of it, isn't it? That's what, that's what happens, the nature of Mario. And then people would almost go, yeah, you're right. Um, you know, I, I was at the final at the last tournament and saw them get absolutely taken apart by Spain. Um, and I think in many ways that still sticks with them a little bit. We move on to Ireland then. My second team, since my girlfriend is Irish. Um, not many you have people a girlfriend? Give... Yes. I've, no. I've mentioned her before, haven't I? Um, <laughs> but I obviously... you were in the Martin O'Neill camp. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said I've got a girlfriend. So just so people don't think I'm... I'm, uh, I'm not going to say it. Um, Republic of Ireland, though, guys. Not many people give a them queer. a chance. People are saying they're going to finish bottom of the group. They don't have a massive amount of talent in their squad, it has to be said. Although they're a hard work inside, Dave. They've got Jonathan Waters, um, potential balance. Come on, that's so cliched. No, but you know... Let's let's be honest, they're they're, they're absolutely shit. (laughs) 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 But they're going to do great and they're going to qualify Adam. Uh, No, I don't think they've got the the talent anymore, really. You know, the players that you used to look at, the likes of Robbie Keane, uh, coming to the end of his career, Shane Long could do a bit for them, but who's going to create for that? It's just a, it's a poor side. It's one of the poorest Republic of Ireland sides. That have, you know, they've done well to get to the Euros, but I think that's going to be the peak of this campaign and the peak for um, Keenan, the other fellow that's a bit of a weapon. Disappointing. Do, 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 you not, do, you think, do you think there's a bit of an issue is that this team, this team has um, sort of pressed the self-destruct button at the wrong time almost, or it, it, media-wise anyway? Or everything is going on off the pitch. 
Apparently, well, it's just, uh, you know, the, the, people just seem to think that uh, Roy, Roy Keane says these comments to sort of further his own interests ahead of anyone else. But I, I do well, tend to think he's relatively correct in the way that um, he assesses his side. I mean, I don't know. Sometimes I read a quote by Roy Keane. I think that can't be really attributed to him. He's a little Do you know what I mean? He, say, he says something about Robbie Keane stepping off the uh, plane in a cap and thinking that he's big time and that he said that he, <laughs> you should just put him straight back on the plane. Um, but you do sort of think in the long term, maybe that's what would serve Ireland quite well. It, there's, sort, it, there's, there's sort of uh, contrasting ideas with Ireland. And it's sort of taken away from the fun because everyone's taking it so bloody seriously. I think people realise that some of the stuff he says is tongue-in-cheek there. I think just the way he says these things, I, I don't know how effective a management tactic it is. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Especially seeing as he's the assistant manager. You have to question why he's coming out and saying anything. So the, the, the famous thing he did about Ada McGeady recently was uh, after his performance last night, you can do a lot better, but maybe that's the story of Aiden's career. It's so withering and such a, a damning put down. You're like, wow, what, what effect is that going to have on Aidan McGeady? Now, apparently, you he, imagine him just walking back into the dressing room and just sort of go and and McGeady being like, "Mate, that was bloody harsh," and him just being like, "Yeah, but it's true. Get back out there." Well, apparently, <laughs> apparently, he's like, it's, it's been smoothed over. You know, it's all been smoothed over. I don't know whether Roy Keane apologised, which I, I can't imagine something Roy Keane has ever done. Um, but apparently, it's all been smoothed over now. So I, I don't know if the the off the pitch off the field distractions are going to have too much of a detrimental impact but I think Dave's right in saying that it is a poor squad and although like I said they are a hard working side and you've seen they can get results against Germany in qualifying uh, Shane Long scoring that famous goal I think if they can get a result against Sweden in their first game who will come on to I think things will be looking bright because they'll be hoping they could maybe pull off something against Italy and finishing at best third place, and of course, as we know, it's the four best place third finishing teams that go through. They've got a chance, but it's it's a long shot, I'd say. Um, mm. The other team who are sort of vying for that, that third position, essentially, along with uh, Italy as well, because there's nothing nothing set in stone. Our Sweden, of course, Dave. Again, another team build as a one-man team. It's all about Zlatan Ibrahimovic, but do you see other qualities in this side? Yeah, I think they're going to be a, a real unknown in the tournament because they've not been talked about at all. I think Zlatan, we all know what Zlatan can do. 
his se- this season he's been incredible. We've spoke about him many times in the podcast. But what's interesting, you know, the players that have come from that 2015 under 21 Euro winning side, you know, players like Linderoth, players like uh, Ludwig, um, and maybe. Luik as well. I don't think that. I think that is the correct pronunciation. But the central midfielder that's playing next to Kim Kallstrom. I think the integration of these players and obviously Jonathan Gudetti, who's uh, you know a decent striker, a striker that's been very unlucky uh, with illness. You know when he was at Feyenoord, he had an absolute Wildini of the season, scored twenty goals in twenty three games, <laughs> and then got very ill, missed the next uh, two, you know, missed the next season. Um, and then went, went to Celtic on loan, scored 15 goals in 35 games, and now at Celta Vigo scoring 12 goals in 37 games. I think he's a talent that could be, uh, you know, get him up front with Zlatan. He's got a pretty decent front two there, and I feel the rest of the team's just going to work around them, and they know what their strengths are, and that's get the ball to Zlatan, and that isn't a bad strategy. That is part of the issue with Sweden, though, isn't it? Is that they they sort of lack in other places, though. Like, defensively, you imagine that's what that, they've got that soft uh, and very slow uh, core they lack a bit of um, nip in the back line yeah again, again a player that's really impressed me this season at centre half Linderoff um, at Benfica very physical centre back if they David, 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 what is he what is, how old is he 20 20 maybe 21 oh, 22 I think he's 22 yeah yeah maybe I think he's yeah he's around that age anyway 21 and, okay he's 21 uh, you know that, that it's still possible possible to isolate those players and I just worry that playing against uh, you know such talented players such as Italy and Belgium they're going to quite easily be able to isolate a player like that and especially against someone like Belgium I think you're going to get rocked give me your order Lawrence your prediction Belgium Italy Sweden Republic of Ireland I'm going to say Belgium Italy Republic of Ireland Sweden finish well Ireland are going to go through as one of the best places. It's the hope of that third place that will kill you, isn't it's it? It's the hope that kills you. Dave, what are you saying? Um, well, I'm going to go with Belgium, Sweden, Italy, Ooh. then the Republic of Ireland. Do you really think Italy, uh, Sweden are going to do that well? Mm. I can see yeah. it. I can see it. Very well. Dave, have you suddenly got a confidence in Sweden just because uh, Zlatan keeps... He's now a Manchester player, essentially. Like... <laughs> yeah, no. I feel... I just feel it, Lawrence. You know, sometimes when you feel these things, you just got to go with the feeling. What You're right, Dave. F- you you don't want to be free from design, do you? You don't, mate. No, you, you don't. No, no, no. Not Dave, at all. What are you feeling about Group D then? Not the group of death, quite, but four <laughs> very good teams in there Spain, Turkey, Croatia, the Czech Republic. Let's come to Spain first because I think it's a fascinating situation there in essentially trying to win an unprecedented third European Championship in a row. But after that World Cup, there's a lot of question marks over that team, despite their qualifying campaign where they, they conceded, I think, just three goals. There's yeah, qu- they, they, they just lack identity, don't they? That's the issue. They were they had an identity with Xavi in, in central midfield and the rest of those ball players, but feel like that generation's gone and they mm. haven't embraced the new generation. They're what I'd like to call the Atletico Madrid generation. Ooh. The generation that dogged, that fight, that play 4-4-2, that play a very zonal system, that press, that counter-attack like Villarreal, like Sevilla, like Atletico Madrid. They have the components to do that. They have Adderiz up front. They've got Morata up front. They've got Nolito that could potentially play up front. Then they could play Coca out wide, Saul, Niguez out wide, maybe Isco out wide, and then two central midfielders, Busquets, Xavi, Thiago, whoever you, whoever you want to put. But be really dogged. I feel like they've, they've kind of lost their, their bottle and they should go down this Atletico Madrid route because it's very, very functional and works. We've seen you know, the Champions League final. You know, what's... 
two times in the past, what, for three years, four years? So it's one of those things where Spain should be moving to that model. Um, it's sort of like the anti-capitalist model in Spain, where the rich teams play their certain flamboyant style of football, and for the other teams to keep up, they have to play this attritional game that gets results. And I feel like Spain should move that way, because quite frankly, no, not beating Georgia, losing to Georgia, it's quite pathetic. Wow. Um, damning indictment there from Dave O'Brien. Uh, what about wow. the Czech Republic, Lawrence? Uh, two Arsenal players, well, one former Arsenal player, the cornerstones of the team, Petr Cech and Thomas Rizicki, of course. They obviously deposed Netherlands at the top of their qualifying group, beat them to the tournament, essentially. The problem with them is they conceded a lot of goals. They conceded more goals than any other team going into the, this European Championship in the qualifying. Any other team? Yeah. In this qualifying um, uh, round. Yeah, but they do have a lovely kit though, don't they, Adam? Uh, not as good as Croatia's. So. Do you, well, why would you just be comparing them to Croatia? Just because I, I saw the Croatia kit today and I was like, it's bloody really nice. Which kit's your favourite kit of the tournament? Probably Croatia. It's really, really? nice. Really? Yeah, or um, I do quite like the uh, France away kit with the sort of trickle or. Yeah, the, nice. the trickle is, is very nice, isn't it? Like, Back onto the Czech Republic, though. <laughs> Yeah, back to Czech Republic. Um, Decent. Yeah, obviously, uh, I think their problem, their problem not only is that uh, they sort of don't seem all that loaded at the back because of the amount of goals they've conceded, but they have a lot of midfield promise, but very little sort of striking promise in that yeah. sense at this tournament. If you can shut them down, then uh, I, I think you're, they're not going to get very much joy. Mm. Um, and I think for that reason, within this group, which I'm not going to call the group death, but I'm going to call the group of... Maybe the most quality in the tournament. Yeah. Um, I think what we are going to see is that the third place team in this group possibly won't qualify because I think there are going to be. Yeah. It's going to be tough. Yeah. Like it's basically going to be tough. Whereas in other groups, I think we'll we'll see it maybe even out a little more and therefore teams are going to become a bit more fortunate to come through from those groups. Um, When it comes down to Czech Republic, I mean, you know, you've got the captain. Zicky, everyone still, he only seems to be fit for international tournaments. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, sort of looking at the back, I, I'm only really uh, happy that they've got Petr Cech sort of sitting behind yeah. that defence. But then you say they've conceded so many goals, so what's to be positive doesn't about? Doesn't guarantee, yeah, doesn't, definitely doesn't guarantee you clean sheets. Um, what about Croatia, Dave? I said they've got the best kit in the tournament, potentially the best midfield in the tournament as well. They might not be so blessed in other areas uh, of the pitch. Yeah, I think they, they've got a very good midfield. Uh, Rakitic, Modric, and whoever plays in behind, whether it's uh, Beljar, I think it is. I've not looked at the pronunciation sheets. I've probably Bad, got that wrong. But, Sorry, but, lads. Badelge? 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 Yeah, that's the fella. Um, Badelli. Front, obviously. Badelli. Mari- oh, Badelli, that was it. Badelli. No, that's, that's that. Nailed it. Thank you. Thank you, lads. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, up front, they've, they've got a good... A good lad in Mario Mandzukic, a player that I fucking hate, but he's, he's, he's decent. I just don't after the after the old Juventus catastrophe yeah, where you he really came got on, on him there, didn't you? Bloody bottled it. Just didn't do anything. He's, 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 he's not that. that effective either for Croatia, is he? Um, but yeah, I think they've got some quality. Uh, Perisic has is, is always been a, a decent player, goal scoring wise. Pretty upset that Halilovic isn't there. You know, young yeah. Croatian talent. But they'll do well. They've got a decent back four. Uh, I think they'll just be a team that will tick over the group and then the, at the last stages they'll probably come up against the big cheese and get done. The final team in this group is Turkey. 
Yes, um, fantastically stacked team in the midfield, especially the attacking midfield. You know, there's so much. Uh, I, I I do think I like their um, the balance of, of the midfield. And I, I, you know, there's going to be so many battles played out there, and the fact that they do have players who are able to become a bit more physical, push other players off the ball, and then push it out to. Uh, not only someone who's sort of physically gifted, but also able to become a little bit more tricky. The likes of Ada Taram, mm. Nuri Shaheen sitting there, um, Tufan, um, and obviously the the man that most people are very excited about at the moment, which is, how do you say him? Chanalog? Chalhanochlu. There you go. Chalhanochlu. Apparently. Chalhanochlu. Chalhanochlu. Lawrence, do you think they could even finish top of the group? Or are you not going to get that do I think Turkey have got enough to top the group? Yeah. We're well, not going to go that uh, The only reason I would say that Turkey won't top the group is because, um, you know what, why shouldn't Turkey top yeah. the group? Because if they, can win, if they can win the midfield battle against those other teams, that's my only issue, is that are they yeah. really realistically going to win the midfield battle against the likes of Spain? Ooh. But then with Spain, Spain don't really, I feel, have uh, a striker that's going to be able to threaten them. Mm. They probably will win the midfield battle with Croatia, um, and then with Czech Republic, I think it would be very much 50-50. You know what? I'm going to go Turkey as the outside dark horses to top this group. Mm. What's your order? Mm. I'll go. Because originally, the, the thing is, uh, Turkey originally didn't didn't have all that good a time in qualifying until they sort of found this shape. And I'm wondering if now they've got to find another shape. And people are going to cut off the supply to people like Yilmaz. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go S- Spain, Turkey, <gasps> Czech Republic, Croatia. What Croatia bottom? Oh, Dave, what you said? Lawrence, you're a crazy man. Crazy. I mean, Spain going to have an identity crisis, but no, wait, no, wait a minute. Let me let me let me swap those two around. Too late. I'm going to go. I'm going to no, go. Done, uh, mate. Lawrence, Croatia, done, mate. Croatia, Czech Republic, because that that's yeah, that's sensible. <laughs> I, I, I like Rakitic and I like Rakitic and Modric, but Dave, what were you saying? You against Spain, Spain, Croatia, yeah, Turkey, and then the Czech Republic. I'm going to say Croatia, Spain, Turkey, Czech Republic. Croatia really? top the group, guys. You heard it first. Um, moving on to group I think, C. I think Croatia will come third. I think they'll come behind mm, Turkey. We did say last a bit ago. So. Germany. Yeah, that was, that was just because I misread my list. Germany, Northern Ireland, Poland, and the Ukraine in group C then. Obviously, Germany, the favourites to finish top, Dave. Um, one of the favourites, <clears> of course, again, to, to win the whole thing. But it does feel like they're lacking that striker. No, they got a striker, Adam. They no. got Mario Gomez. The Gomez button is by. Hold on, lads. Two seconds. Oh. Two seconds. I know they've Here got go. Mario Gomez. So Mario Gomez, the twenty-eight only... goals for Besiktas this season, taking them through to win the Turkish league. He's the only out tonight striker in their squad. Oh, oh. hello, hello. Might get Dave, we don't uh, need another. <laughs> <laughs> Might get copyright strike. <laughs> have you never? Have you, you, you? Lads, you must have been on the Mario Gomez button, right? Yeah, we've all been on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Cha cha. Dear, oh dear. Uh, I think. 
you been are you, are you being serious? I, 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 I love that. I used to I used to stop. The, I used to like turn my computer volume up massive, like as high as it possibly could be, like in the middle of the office, and just play the button. It's a wonder that you still got a job, frankly. <laughs> I might start doing that tomorrow. Well, so Why? I just didn't, I just love the button, Lawrence. It's just so good, right? You push it once, you're gonna always push it for the rest of your life, right? Just press it one more time, then, Dave. Now, everyone, everyone who's listening, imagine working with Dave. <laughs> yeah. You have to push you that face as well when it's that, going. Is that the joke? Yeah, I, was say, I can imagine Dave like that, like a little five-year-old kid, sort of. Oh, just... so much fun. Um, but anyway, yeah, Germany, they tactically have got a lot of diversity. You know, Mario Goetz could play as a false nine. Joachim Love likes to do that. Mesut has had his best season in the Premier League uh, with his assists. You've got Thomas Muller outside that scored 20 goals in the Bundesliga. You know, wide left, obviously, uh, Marco Royce isn't going to be there, but there's a lot of talent there. You know, Schürrle, whoever wants to fit there. Then in midfield, they've got Tony Cruz and Kadira. Bastian Feinsteiger at the back. They've got probably the best two centre-backs in the world right now that are probably playing together in Hummels and Boateng. They're going to be awesome next season. Full-backs is the only, only thing that I'd look at and be like, ooh, because you've got Hector on one side that's pretty decent going forward, but then Emre Chan on the right when Emery Chan was at Bayer Leverkusen, he played left back, not right back. It's just a bit of a weird one. Is Emery Chan left footed or right footed, Lawrence? Uh, good question. Having watched him, I'm not sure he's either, Dave. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> uh oh. I, I, I don't know. I, I think he's he's played a number of uh, positions, and he played right back for Liverpool for a little while. I think it's. I, I genuinely think that they're just trying to fit him into this team um, at times. And then there was uh, there's been a couple of games uh, where he hasn't even started for Germany more recently. So I, I feel genuinely like that's the only position where they sort of lack and that's mm. going to be their soft underbelly in a sense because Chan is not a fullback and it's that simple. Do you not think they're going to, they're not going to play Mario Gomez at front, are they? And they're not going to do something similar to what they did the World Cup and stick Gertz right there. Nine of the, Muller. the old false nine. Or Muller, yeah. They're not going to play, you're not going to get the chance to, to press that Gomez button, Dave. I, I think Gomez is going to be the one of the shining stars of the tournament I bet you 20 quid he doesn't start the first game. That's a good question, Ooh. actually. I, 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 Adam, I will you stop taking my money? <laughs> 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 I bet you 20 quid he doesn't start the first game. He'll come on, maybe, but he won't start. Man, I don't know if I could why don't, why, don't you go, why don't you go £10 that he doesn't even play in the first game? I give, no, because he Adam, probably will right, come I've on. I've bet, right? I bet you a Nando's that he starts the first game. Yes, Whoa. I fucking love it. What? Yeah. Uh, Wait, are Dave and I the first two presenters on the Football Republic, Adam, for the live show? No, I think it's me and you because Dave's not around. Is it? Oh, is it you and I? Yes. Oh, fantastic. All right, can we get Nando's? Mario Gomez. (laughs) It depends if uh, (laughs) I'll make a bet with you and then uh, we'll see if that comes off. If you win, you get Nando's. If I win, I get Baritos. The best food in the burritos okay well either way i'm a winner you win. yeah i feel like yeah there's no losers in the situation yeah there's um, no losers <laughs> in, a, in a food betting situation is uh okay dave um, anyway back accepted. to group c <laughs> except <Accepted. laughs> let's talk about northern ireland because incredible qualifying campaign lawrence uh topping the group yes. ahead of romania of course um living up to all the the, the cliches difficult side to break down you know what when it when it they uh uh, I'm, uh, the only problem for Northern Ireland is they, they come out in this group. If they'd have come out in any other group, you'd give them a chance of getting through. Uh, put it this way, I think Northern Ireland are the team with the best chance of finishing third um, ahead of Ukraine. 
ahead of the Ukraine. Um, um, yeah. Dave, do you reckon Northern Ireland can finish ahead of the Ukraine? Because I feel like, you know, the Ukraine, again, don't have the most talented squad, but they've got a few star men in there, which is something, apart from Wilgrig, that Ireland lack Northern Ireland. Yeah, yeah. Yarmolenko, um, you know, very, very talented playmaker out wide. Connor Planyanka as well. Uh, I feel that the Ukraine are, are going to come third. I feel like they've got enough quality to come yeah. third ahead of Northern Ireland. You say Northern Ireland again, lack anything apart from Paddy McNair. Rocking in central midfield. I suppose Steve Davis is pretty decent, but again, it's just a lack of quality. The, the, the interesting one, though. Ollie really, Norwood. Come on, that's a little bit harsh on Ollie Norwood. Oh, yeah, I do like Ollie Norwood, you know, but he's championship level, right? He's not going to be beating the likes of Germany or the Ukraine or even the Poland, who are going to be really interesting. Lewandowski and Malik up front. Yeah. That's yeah. 51 goals this season, and the, yeah. both in their domestic, you know, the, Malik was 21 goals in their divisi, Lewandowski 30 goals. If they can get that front two firing in this tournament, they're going to be really, really dangerous. And there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to get those front two firing because they've got great supply. They've got some players who are more than capable of supplying, uh, you know, the assists for the likes of uh, those two. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm quietly confident. So they, they lost one of their wingers. I can't. I think his name was like Roski or something like that. That have absolutely butchered his name. I can't even. He, I think he's injured himself in training or something. He provided the most assists in uh, qualifying. But I suppose Lewandowski's just Lewandowski. I think if you build a team like Dortmund used to do, where they used to play to him early, you're laughing, really. He's just going to create all sorts of things. What, 13 goals in qualifying? I think this Polish side could be, again, sneak in there undetected. Could be a real handful in the last I think they're, they're four years better than they were a couple of years ago. They, they yeah. pretty much Quite collapsed under the, under the um, pressure. Well, no, because not, not every team becomes four years better, do they? Um, four years worse. But what... Uh, what I would say with, with this side is they collapsed under the pressure um, of the hosting in their own nation, and things got a little bit too much uh, for this Turkey team. Uh, sorry for this uh, for this Poland team. So I, I think they're going to bring in quite a bit of experience into this tournament. I would I'm going to say those guys finish second in the group. Second: <laughs> Germany, Poland, Ukraine, Northern Ireland. I'm sorry, not that. I wouldn't. I would. I won't be disenchanted with that. Yeah, that's not. A, yeah. Although we are really, we're not really calling that many dark horses in this, are we? David Healy. Group Where's B, your though. insight? Oh, Group let, B, though, guys. This is where the dark horses come in. England, <laughs> Russia, <laughs> Slovakia, and Wales. Tuba, very interesting tuba, group. Tuba. Very, very interesting group. <sighs> That's, we'll start on England because it's our country, of course. Um, we, we know it the best, I assume. Obviously, a wealth of talent up front. Uh, four or five strikers being taken. Centre defence, obviously the weakness, Dave. Only three centre-backs. Well, Eric Dyer can play there. It doesn't feel quite like things have gelled yet. It doesn't feel like Roy Hodgson's figured out a system to crowbar in all the, the best players and the players that are arguably on form, as well as Wayne Rooney. Yeah, I don't think he will. I think that's Roy Hodgson down for an absolute yeah. tee. But imagine this, right? Imagine this front three. I was thinking about this today. Jamie Ma- Vardy through the middle. Rashford okay. out wide right. Okay. Sterling wide left. That Where has got so is much Harry pace. Kane? D- 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 sorry, Adam, this is my pace team. It's like when you play FIFA and you pick all the quick yes. players. Yes, good job. Good job. So yeah, well, why doing. can't we play him in EK? Oh. No. Oh. Lawrence. The wrong nationality. But you do Point. feel like... like I, it's a little bit of... Um, 
you almost can't win really because you feel like, oh, you've got to put in Rooney, but then, oh, yeah. do, you, do you put in Vardy or Kane? Oh, no, you've got to try and put in both. And where do you put Ali? Oh, but then you've got to put Wilshire. It's a little bit, it is difficult to try and fit them all in the same team and difficult decisions need to be made. And perhaps Roy Hodgson hasn't shown that he can make those difficult decisions, essentially. Nah, he's a bottler, isn't he, Roy? I don't think he's a bottler, but I think he, he's not one to take bold decisions. I think I'd be very impressed if he drop if he doesn't start Rooney for at least one of the games. I'll be like, wow, bloody hell! You know, this is this is the way forward almost. Play Ali um, instead of Rooney in that sort of attacking midfield role, and it just seems like common sense. But because Rooney's the captain, because there's uh, a narrative around it almost to, to, to sound like Lawrence McKenna. It feels like it's difficult for him to, to drop Rooney and maybe put in the players who should be there, essentially. Yeah, um, this is, uh, although, yeah, I, mean, I guess if you don't play, yeah, there, there doesn't really seem to be much argument for playing Rooney very often, does there? No, but yeah, he'll, he will persist and he will start against Russia on Saturday. Yeah, um, um, unfortunately. We don't sound massively optimistic, but I do, however, think England will, will top the group. I do think they will top the group. Because I think it will at least be two of the teams, um, which should be enough to, to hopefully get us uh, top if we can get a draw in the other one. Um, Who's we? We are England, guys. Where's the patriotism, Lawrence? The Euros are two days away. Don't have any, mate. Right. Uh, Wales, then. Another team towered as a one man team, Dave. Gareth Bale, They're obviously. Not. Well, he did score. Didn't he score? We contributed. They scored Adam, something like 10 or 11 stat goals. The sheet is there for you. Oh, he, he scored Gareth seven Bale goals. was directly involved in 82% of Wales' goals in qualifying. I mean, Come that's on. That's quite a stat, isn't it, Lawrence? That is quite a stat, but, that, that, but then that's, a set, that's not to say that other players haven't done great things. He's a fantastic player. A lot of things go through him, but you don't say that in the Champions League. You don't go, Ronaldo scored, I don't know what percentage of goals Ronaldo scored for Real Madrid, but you don't beat them with that stick, do you? Um, I think you or do. do you? <laughs> yeah, I think you do. I was about to say, when eighty-two percent of the goals have come essentially through Gareth Bale, goals and assists, that means they're almost entirely reliant on Gareth Bale. <laughs> so therefore, yeah, but Adam, Adam, come on, Robson Carney. Yeah, come on, <laughs> you make a good point. Do you think? Do you think Wales will get out of the group, Dave? Because a lot of people have these guys pegged as bottom of the group uh, finishers. No, I don't think they're bottom at all. I think there's, there's a really interesting article in the on Wales Online, actually, which is an interview with Chris Coleman that's talking about why he picked certain systems for certain games and qualifying. Quite frankly, he's done very well, and they've, yeah. they've sort of stumbled on this system, this 3-4-2-1 uh, system yeah. with Bale and Ramsey behind uh, Robson Carnu, and it really works. You know, Those two players in the free roll, Ramsey and Bale, really really are cutting teams apart on the counter-attack. You know, Robson Canu's doing a lot of defensive work, pressurising the opposition. But that's quite a a mismatch against a lot of systems in world football now. You'd say that's a... You know, if they're playing a single pivot, that's 2v1. If they're playing two pivots, um, they've lost the midfield battle to Ledley and um, and, and Joe Allen. Sorry. Uh, You know, there's a lot of questions. You've got to play differently to that. So I think that Wales have got... I'd say a bit more than England in a way. Wow, really? Well, I mean, I've, I've got, I, I've also, I'm also looking at the back line. They, uh, Dave's right in saying they can, can play through at the back. I also like when they play four. I think it makes them a lot more defensively solid. They played it towards the end of the campaign. They didn't just mm. play through at the back. 
Um, and it sort of gave them more options, not only that, but it would almost be a little confusing to another side out there um, as to how one team was going to start or the other. I did also enjoy there's somewhere online, there is um, a really nice interview with either Ashley Richards or Ashley Williams. I can't remember, but he basically says that they're either good lads or quiet for basically the entire squad. Um, I think it's 442 interviewed him and he basically says for every answer, yeah, he's a good lad, he's uh, quiet. And you're just sort of like, oh, brilliant. Okay, so Wales are just full of quiet men. <laughs> um, it, that, you, you put forward a good case there, Dave. You sound like tactically Wales uh, have got this system where they can, they can spring a surprise almost and maybe we should give them more of a chance. What about Slovakia there then? Do you think they've got a chance of finishing third, maybe? Again, they're built around one man, and that's Hamzik, you know, the Absolutely. Napoli central midfielder that's really coming of age in that creative role. You look at Napoli's midfield this season, they've got the perfect combination, Jorginho, someone we didn't even mention for Italy. Crazy that he's not, um, you know, starting for Italy without, without Verratti and Marchisio, you know, the top passer in Syria this season. So he's the passer in their midfield. They've got Alan, who's the destroyer, that's top tackle in Syria, and then Hamzik's the top creator in Syria this season. So they've got, you know, they, they have one player that they could build a team around, which could go, you know, could work out quite nicely for them. Top scoring and qualification with five goals for them. So they, again, this this group is so difficult to call. I think this is the hardest group. Might not be the group really? of death, but it's the hardest one to say yeah, who's going they're through. All, they're all the most mediocre sides. Yeah, the they are so by average. Yeah. <laughs> England. Or at oh. least they present that way. England, England present. England have a number of players in there that are above average players in Europe put them together and combine them and you've you've made you know it's not a megazord and I think there are other people there that have <laughs> megazords I just feel like England have got so uh, much you look for the other squad lists and a lot of them have one or two or three star players and obviously you know uh, have England a more, do no but I feel like I have a more intimate knowledge of England so therefore maybe this opinion is complete rubbish but there is quality throughout I know you know, there, there is obviously that weakness in defence. But I feel like, yes, although we can't... We don't have a system yet that works. Roy Hodgson hasn't managed to uh, to to get the players playing in a way that, that works for all of them. The actual talent is there. So I feel like saying they're mediocre is a bit harsh. I think it's a good, young, promising squad with a sprinkling of uh, some great players. Deli Alley, Harry Kane. I'm not just yes, Adam, but those players, ha- those players have to perform and those players have to entertain. And I think that's part of a tournament is that actually it's not just about the getting through. Mm. It's the taking part that counts. It is indeed. Um, and sometimes England barely even take part. What is your... It, do- it does feel a little bit like England aren't there sometimes, doesn't it? It's just a little bit, uh, oh, oh, you're I'm here. I'm just... A little I'm... bit like the friend at a party that you sort of go, oh, yeah, th- yeah, thanks for coming. Maybe it's the pre-tournament hype, but I'm feeling quite optimistic. You're Ian writing it. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Um, but I feel like there is talent in that squad, and I think England will finish top of the group. Um, I don't think it's going to be, um, uh, you know, I think it's going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination, but I think they will finish first. I think oh, Dave sort of sold me on Wales there. I think they'll be battling for second with Russia. Um, maybe I'll put Wales second, you know, for a bit of British, uh, British support. Russia third, Slovakia fourth. That's what I'm going to go for. England, Wales, Russia, Slovakia. Lawrence, what do you say? Um, I hope. I hope Russia self uh, self explode. Nice. <laughs> uh, and finish uh, last. 
I'm finished last, yeah. Okay, so who, who, where are the what's the top three order? Uh, England, I think. I actually wonder. I think uh, the, whether England or Wales finish top will be down to their own results against each other. Yeah. I think Wales will snatch it, so I'm going to go Wales, oh. England. Oh no. Uh, Slovakia, Russia. Dave, what are you saying? <gasps> Come on. England to top. Um, I, th- I think that Wales are not Wales. Sorry, Russia again are going to be a little bit of an unknown quantity. They've lost both Denisov and um, Zagaev. Uh, yeah, two holding midfielders. But uh, with Zubar up front, did very well in the Champions League this season. Scored seven goals there. Top scored for Russia in qualification. So they've got a striker in form. <sighs> but this group is so difficult. Come on, Dave. I think they're all going to get the same points. All right, they're all going to be joint. What? How, how can that? Happen? That's insane. <laughs> I don't know. Who's going to top the group, Dave? Imagine if they, they then wrote to another uh, another group and just went, sorry, you, none of you guys qualify because we had to take all three or four people through from um, group B. It's coming home. It's coming home. It's coming home. Go on, Dave. Fine. Bailey's England, Wales, home. Russia, Slovakia. Nice. Um like out. Uh, group A. And then, and then one of the best groups. We come to Group A to finish on Albania, France, Romania, Switzerland. We'll finish on France, so we'll start, I think, with Switzerland. Now, obviously, there's a few yeah. Premier League names in there that we'll mention. Uh, Granit Xhaka, just signed for Arsenal. We've got Shakira for Stoke. Brilem Bolo, the, the, the young striker who's linked with every uh, major Premier League club all the time. You feel like they've, they, they've got quality again, Dave. Um, good centre-backs... Good attackers. Good centre backs. Yeah, Giroud, Char- Fabian Schar. Why not? They got they got such a mistake in them. It's unreal. <laughs> Ricardo Rodriguez. It's like playing, it's like playing the Chuckle Brothers at centre back. <laughs> All right, you've shot that one down. Um, <laughs> Fabian Schar was supposed to be decent. Ricardo Rodriguez, then he's a good defender. Lichstein. Uh, he's not been that good this year, actually. To be oh, honest, he had a fantastic last two campaigns, but this time he's had a little bit of a, a long his career. But he's a good player. Okay, Switzerland then. Okay. You think they're going to finish second? Maybe I think France are everyone's favourites to top. Yeah, I think though. You know, think players like Shakiri and Zaka got enough quality, and especially yeah. Shakiri just seems to come alive in international tournaments. Was one of the only two players that scored a hat trick at the 2014 World Cup. Yes. Only Lionel Messi created more chances than him. It seems like obviously in his career he's been a bit of a, you know, it's fallen down with being at Bayern and into Milan and now Stoke and not being the main man there. So I think that this is sort of his. Chance to revive his career, the big stage. Yeah, I just feel like they've got a, a good squad. It, look, it looks promising. Um, maybe not not, uh, <laughs> not a great set about playing them, but at least that defence looks it looks solid, I'm going to say. Solid, right. I'll give you that. Yeah, not like, you know, A load of solid. nebulous words to describe a side. Yeah, Italy look... Uh, decent. Yeah, solid. <laughs> they look yeah. decent, yeah. Um... Talk to me a little bit about uh, Romania then, Lawrence. Um, a couple of star guys in there up front, but it's basically uh, they're through because of their um, their solid defence yeah. in this one. Um, I think, did they, they only conceded two goals mm-hmm. in 10 qualifiers in this Insane. one. There was a tweet that I saw earlier today. An incredibly impressive one for Romania. Um, their only problem is rock. that if, if some... If, what? You might say they're rock solid, you know, an upgrade almost from 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 being sort of you know stone solid. Yeah. Um, I I would say their only issue is that if you take out their main guys, they've not got much else. Mm, um, 
and so it, especially within this group um where you, where you'd imagine that you know Albania are going to be extremely difficult to um break down and then obviously France are going to be utterly dominant as the home side um it's really going to be Romania and Switzerland duking it out in my humble opinion Albania for the third place Dave I think Albania are ahead of that at the first major tournament uh yeah, fantastic. Great. Think, really great. I mean, it's like, you think they're going to finish ahead of, of Romania? History making Albania. Yeah, history making Albania. Nice. I, I think I and both I and Andy Brassel, and Andy Brassel is a massive voice in European football, think that Albania will finish second in this group. Wow. That is a they've big They've got heart. Tool. They've got, they've got, uh, they're, they're a solid side. Not only that, but I think that they will fuck a few people up in the group. Yeah. Um, let's go on to France then. They may well fuck up. A few people, um, Dave. Main, sorry, main, main guy for them, Lorik Sanna. Okay. Yes, um, and they they definitely have some of the hardiest names to say in the tournament. Yes, they do indeed. Uh, Dave, France. Do they have the best squad in this entire bloody competition? Oh, I'd say it's up there. I'd say Germany, France, two best squads in the tournament. Ooh. France have a lot of talent. They've had a lot of injuries, and they've still got you know they've still got a very 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 strong side. Uh, you know, centre back Rafael Varane obviously getting injured, but Rami can step in there also. Milan Titi, um, France definitely don't lack depth at centre back. Again, going back to the previous podcast where we criticised certain people in the media for their uh, blasphemy, saying that France had no game changers, which of course they do. Uh, they've got a very solid system. They play this four-three-three under Deschamps, so I think they're set. They really, stacked. really are set. Stacked. Is they're the stacked high of talent. What is you know, someone win? like Anthony Martial going to explode in the tournament. Tony Griezmann, Tony Olivier Giroud. Who, I want Giroud, I want Giroud to lift the trophy just because he's been booed by his oh, own fans. Bless him. I love I, I love a story where somebody's come back from adversity, you know, from people hating on him and he wins. So I hope that that happens. But Gignac obviously is a very good backup. Done very well in Mexico since he's moved there. Obviously a very strange move, but you know, top scorer in Mexico. So it, it's a very, very, very good side. And with, uh, you know, with Koscielny in there, we all know what his quality is. And now Ngulu Conte coming into the first 11. There's just so much quality and so much legs in that midfield, especially. So, it, which, which sort of means that the, you know, the forward, the front three, two of the front three could great, be lazy in defence. Yeah. Well, Dave, um, what is France's, so it sort of what is their weakness? There must be one weakness in this team. Their Achilles heel. Their... If you run at that back, if you run at that back line and they get scared, they, they freeze. Um, you know, we saw it against Cameroon in the friendly. We've mm. seen it um, in in other instances as well. It's not that Patrice Evra is not a good defender. I think he's fantastic. But I definitely think if you run at them and you definitely run at them down the left-back side. Or yeah, actually Ev- even Evra's pushing right back. Right back. Say, yeah. He's pushing uh, right 35, well. isn't he, Evra? Yeah, I mean, Sanya yeah, must I don't be even, I don't even think it's down to his age. Uh, but I, pace, I, I do pace just, will expose that. If yeah, I mean, that was part of the issue, was that Cameroon attacked quickly, and um, sort of struck and uh, France were caught out. And that's their only problem. What you would say is they, they're not so worried about that because they believe they can out-muscle, sort of yeah. out-attack the other team and that it won't get to that because hopefully they won't lose control on the game. Um, I think that's we'll the big thing, right, with France. They've got to get, they will smash the group, just score goals for fun, be very attacking, um, you know, maybe win 3-2, 4-3, those types of games. And then when it gets to the knockout stage, it's got to get really solid. Sit deep and use their pace on the counter, and then that's how they win the tournament. Simple. Give me Is it simple. Well, just and do it then. Dave. Simple as shit, right? Albania, France, Romania, Switzerland. Go. Uh, France, Switzerland, uh, Albania. 
And then the uh, Romanian. Romanians. I think. I two brothers. Two brothers playing each other. Interesting. Two brothers playing each other in this one. I mean, uh, Albania playing Switzerland will be a big game in this group because of the diaspora at one point. Uh, a lot of Kosovans playing for that Swiss side. Obviously, a lot of Kosovans also playing for Albania. That's going to be an interesting one. I think it's going to go France, Albania, Ooh. Switzerland, Romania. No, no, <gasps> no. Guys, there we have it. We are at the end of our Euro 2016 Group F to A preview. <laughs> no, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed, yeah, I enjoyed talking through all the teams, you know, getting a little bit of a lowdown from you guys or discussing where the strengths are, the weaknesses. I know what to expect now, which players to look out for. I found it very interesting. I would love to know, uh, we're sort of, we're thinking of different videos that we can make for the Euros mm. and one of them would be who our listeners tip to be good players during the Euros. Maybe what we'll do is we'll do the top five front three listening tips for the tournament. Yeah. So if you've got a play on a tip or you've got a, um, a particular squad or a particular formation or something in particular that you want to sort of say, hey, everyone, look at this. Yeah, Let us know on Twitter. You know, um, I'm talking about we'll how, there, how we know the England team intimately. If you're a fan of one of the countries going, get in touch on Twitter at the front three or on the Reddit. Let us know, like Lauren says, the players yeah. we're looking out for. What should we get excited about? going into this tournament from your team that would that would be and, and we might we might i mean if you're listening tonight or tomorrow then we might end up making a pre and that'll be me a pre-tournament video just My going God. through some of your tweets and some of your comments i'd love to do that um, can we also just can we just say one thing definitely thank uh Soliman for his fantastic oh, gifts God. over the past week what a hero um if you haven't checked them out we do retweet them every week but uh Solomon uh, a long-time friend of the podcast has been making some pretty incredible uh, gifts over the past few weeks. So definitely, yeah, definitely check them out. I particularly enjoyed what? last week's one, Lawrence. I, I believe yeah, that I was think... a fun. I showed that to my dad, and my dad was like, "Good God, it makes you look so violent." And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "Yes, yes, my it does. God." <laughs> um, yes, very good stuff uh, from Solomon. Definitely do check them out. I'll give them a follow. What? What are you guys most looking forward to about Euro 2016? I think I'm I'm definitely looking forward to the fact, the fact it's in France. I'm a little bit worried about the mm. whole terrorism thing, if I'm a little bit honest. Yes. Having 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 read a, a fantastic article on the BBC yesterday about uh, oh, the terrorism. horrific terror, uh, terrorist attacks earlier in the year, it just does fill you with dread, the fact that people could, particular, could target this tournament. Fingers crossed, touch wood, all that stuff that doesn't happen. Um, yeah. And hopefully we do. So apparently the the ID and that everyone has to have like carry ID with them. Photo ID. Yeah, but, yeah, but that doesn't that doesn't really mean anything for you know you don't need to be in the ground to cause problems. That'll be my only. No, no, as in the photo ID round round Lille. So I'm staying in Lille for the first for the opening weekend, and apparently you've always got to have ID on you all time. Interesting. It's quite interesting, but you know, I don't. I think terrorism shouldn't govern your life. I think you should still go out and do what you want to do. Oh, so no, if you want no, to go absolutely. to a football tournament, I'll fucking go. No, but you know what? Hopefully, I'll nothing. I'll, I'll take him. I'll take him out. I'm looking forward to <laughs> the thing. I'm most looking forward to is England winning. Of course, England winning that trophy after so many years. Uh, Twenty years after. That could even happen. You are. You really realistically think that could even happen? Uh, no, I mean it could, but it's not going to happen. Um, Why not? Would be my question. Um, for all the reasons you listed uh, about sure, two minutes yeah. ago. <laughs> um, I'm just looking forward to seeing some fantastic football. I said, you know, the group stages, the group stage of any of these tournaments is just such a fantastic feast of football. Two, three games a day. It's just such an exciting time. You get to see all these 
uh, wonderfully talented players that you may not have heard of, you may not get to see every week. So I'm very excited about the group stages in particular, uh, especially if England do well. Um, there doesn't seem to be anyone there that's particularly um, weak or sort of self-destructing. Do they? I mean, I know that there are, you know, we've just graded all the sides. Well, there'll be someone. I definitely think someone. I'm looking forward to watching every side. Do you know, like that's the yeah. great thing about being pre-tournament. Every side's got something. 24 teams. Yeah, exactly. And it, all of this is like the sort of the, the, they're all virgin teams. Do you know what I mean? No. I don't mean it. In, I don't mean it in the sense. You know, right. I mean it in the extra virgin olive oil sort of sense. Not a kind of a, a sexual <laughs> sense. I sort of mean like you know, you we've not, we've not pig, seen them. You, Lawrence. We've not. You are the dirty pig, Dave. Your your mind did that. And you're the one pressing the Gomez. The Mario Gomez. You listen back to the podcast. A split <laughs> second before Dave pressed that button, I definitely said you were pressing the Mario Gomez button. <laughs> no, 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 no. I hit it before. I hit it before. I hit it before. I'm not sure. I'm not sure you did, Dave. I did, mate. Yeah, Adam, um, you check on the coding, yeah? You, you, do, you tell anyway, the truth. I'll, check I'll, on the I'll coding. Go in, I'll go right, into the Adam, Adam, go and check the coding I'm of the podcast. I'm going to go into the Matrix and see. Don't worry about it. Um, um, yeah, my, 24 teams, each of them, I'm uh, equally excited to see each of We are hyped. Guy. <laughs> we are going up, say we are going up. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. It's extra long, bumper edition of the Front Yeah. Uh, let us know what you think is going to happen in Euro 2016 on Twitter at the Front Free. Let us know your predictions. Um, stay in touch over the course of the tournament. I think we're going to be trying to do little podcasts trying. every day. Every, every day? day maybe? Should we try, yeah. What should we try and do? Little bite-sized uh, ones, maybe. I yeah. think bite and then obviously there's also there's Copper America stuff. As the Copper America gets even more interesting as we go. And of course, all three of us will be on the Football Republic throughout the tournament doing live streams of all the major games. So tune in there if you want to see more of my face, Dave's face, and especially Lawrence's little face. I have a tiny face, but a big head. So small. (laughs) Um, Guys, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, have a bloody great week and enjoy the opening match of the Euros. Uh, Hopefully, we'll be back on Friday with a little bite-sized podcast. Can you say copyright? Gotcha.